Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. Whether you are transforming yourself, your team, your business, or your community, we'll connect you with insightful and challenging leaders who share their stories of successful transformations to give you practical ideas for your own journey. Join us for another insightful episode of Creating Synergy. Welcome back to Creating Synergy. Today, we have a guest, Fee McAllister, who is one of our most senior consultants at Synergy IQ. Before she could describe her job as creating clarity for leaders and refining their leadership identity. But technically, the work that Fee does is executive coaching, marketing, customer experience, and she's also a facilitation guru. Since moving from Australia and Scotland in 1996, she's worked in many industries, both in the corporate world and in the public government organizations, and has been in many, many senior leadership roles. So thank you for joining us, Fee, and welcome. Thanks for having me. This is a bit of a different podcast because Fee and I, as we tend to generally do just started talking uh, and luckily the podcast was recording so we're going to just introduce you from where we sort of started here it's a bit different to what we normally do but uh, it's authentic it's authentic so let's just go with it so thanks and enjoy I was coaching a guy for a large telecommunication company in Australia and it was with the purpose of improving team engagement he and I worked for quite a bit He was a bit resistant. He didn't really believe that the work that I was getting him to do was going to make a difference to how his team were performing Mm. and how they were engaging in the customer experience, which was the other part of the measure of success for this piece of work. And I noticed that he spoke a lot about I instead of the team. So at a team meeting, he would say, I've done this. Mm. I said Whoa. this. It's my pet. I, I think what you should do is, that was probably the most frequent reference. I think you should, We, you know, I know you need to. Yeah. And one day I, we had scheduled a workshop. It was two hours with his team. And I wrote down how many times he said that in 30 minutes. And it was double digits it was up in the 20s he was so surprised he said he was being mindful of not doing that and yet that was his default it It was only when I was providing him that feedback that he said wow there's a number on that and a time on that and that's exactly what happened so he stopped doing it I don't know that it really improved his management style no, but, it, but you're calling him out on it. Yeah, and I think that when you do call somebody out on it and you can be that candid with somebody and you need to have a particular type of relationship with somebody to be that candid with them. I wasn't saying you were stupid like Kim Scott no. <laughs> said. You, you know, Her manager said, you sound stupid. I just said, are you aware? What do you think the impact is? And then when we were able to count it, he was really shocked at how frequently he used it. Mm. And then that, that motivated him to change. What's the old saying? You don't know what you don't know. No, right? that's right. Then, well, we've all got blind spots, haven't mm. we? So it's only when others that see what you do and they give you that feedback that you become aware of it and you go, all right, I'm conscious of it now. What am I going to do with that? Mm. Is it important to me? Maybe not, but if it is, then at least you know you can do something about it. When someone else notices something about you, 
you kind of then become conscious about it and you go, well, I don't want to, I don't want anyone else thinking of that. So you then start to subconsciously work on it, I guess. Well, you do that when you are motivated by what other people think of you as well. That's so true. brand image, whatever yeah. else. We, and We all are. To yeah, element. right. And I've got another example. When I worked at same large telecommunication company, but with a different group of people, I was working with a group of coaches and one of my strengths and values is humor. And you know that, right? Although you're not very funny. No, not very funny. <laughs> no, don't. I know you're going to ask me for a dad joke later. And I use humor to, to make everybody feel comfortable, right? Mm. So we're in a new group of about eight coaches. We all had very different experiences. Some were new, some were, had, had tens of years of coaching experience internationally. We're all in this room trying to work out some, some issues. And I made a very throwaway comment about one of the coaches who was quite new. He was Scottish. Mm. And I made a Scottish comment thinking that, oh, that's going to land with him. And he's just going to think that's a bit funny. It wasn't until three days later and I'd come back to Adelaide, we'd been in Perth for this uh, meeting, that he phoned me up and he said, Fee, I need to let you know that when you said that, that really hurt my feelings. It made me feel like you didn't believe that I knew what I was talking about. I can't even remember what it was that I said, but I know that when you overuse things like humour, that it can come across as cynical or dismissive. And that was a really big lesson for me. I would not have had a clue. Mm. about that and I would have continued to use that kind of humour assuming that that was me making people feel okay assuming that just because oh he's Scottish I'm Scottish I'll get away with being able to say something that's a bit edgy and uh, and and that it won't be a problem but it was mm. so you know going back to the you know whether it's a blind spot or it's just something you don't think about it's when you get that kind of feedback that articulates the impact that you have on others especially on others' feelings, mm. that you can shift it, you can change it. You mentioned, I didn't even know I said that. Puts emphasis on the power of words, doesn't it? Like you think about, I've had people come to me and I'm positive that you would have had and Michelle, we know, has had the same thing, Michelle Holland. People have come to me and said, Dan, there was something that you said to me six months ago that completely changed my life. Mm. And I don't even remember the conversation. Mm. And so it's just the power of words. I think every time we speak, we need to be conscious about what effect we could potentially be having on the person who's listening at the other end. Yeah, I don't know whether you can always be that self-aware. You know, it's like when you're, <laughs> what's that? conscious incompetence stuff yeah. where you yeah. you know the first time you're learning to drive a, a car you know when you're 16 17 whatever and you're um, and you're looking at all these other drivers on the road and they're cyclists and your parents to your left hand side saying clutch clutch if you if you're learning on a manual yeah. and you've just got this hyper awareness and the adrenaline's pumping i think it's the same when you're if you're aware all the time, uh, you just constantly be pumping that adrenaline. I don't yeah. think you can do that. And I think obviously there's research about how your brain gets used to all the content and all the information. I don't know whether this is totally digressing here, but your brain starts to say, that's okay, we'll manage this in a way for you that you, mm. so you don't really have to think about it. And, and I think that maybe that's what you do. And, and some people might say it's complacent or you just become really expert at trying to be funny mm. <laughs> and using that as your crutch yeah i don't know anyway well humor does break down barriers but obviously there's a element 
to it that you need to be conscious of. If you're working or if you're with people who don't value that humor, who don't have that as a strength, then it doesn't land. Um, you know, for me, it's about using it as an icebreaker to mm. try and make feel, people feel comfortable. And generally it works, mm. but you've got to be really conscious of who you're, you've got in the room mm. and be mindful of where is this landing? And in that moment where you've started, if it doesn't land, then what are you going to do about it? Are you going to adjust? And, and I think that's, that's where being aware of how you connect with people and how you adapt is a real skill. So for your facilitation expert, coach, executive coach, how did you get into this world? What was your journey to, to then, to hey, the, obviously the, the development that you've gone through, but the journey to get where you are today and help leaders through their careers? Yeah, I had my own leadership journey quite early on. My life started in call centres after I'd finished uh, college in Scotland and uh, came to Australia, worked in telecommunication companies. But I didn't ever have the same job for very long. Uh, so went from working on phones to team leader to then doing process re-engineering when com- a telecommunication company merged. I worked for a wholesale department, which was a completely different part of the industry. And then had the opportunity to work for the launch of a communication company, a telecommunication company in 2000 in Australia. And that was amazing to just be part of something so big. You learn a lot Mm. when you're in a startup. Everything from the technology to the new people, to the different departments, to working with consultants. And once we'd launched in Australia, I was able to go and repeat the process in Singapore. So the same company did a launch over in Singapore and it was about five months. So again, really compressed learning period, leading a large program of work. It was a multi-million dollar program of work, technically. And I learned a lot on that about what not to do. Uh, you know, when people say, throw you in at the deep end. So That's I was... That's the best way to learn, isn't it? Well, it is. But I guess what I learned during that time was that I had been guided towards more of a technical role as a business analyst firstly and then as a project and program manager and I didn't enjoy that technical aspect I didn't enjoy technical writing I didn't enjoy the management of of large multi-million dollar budgets and having to manage all those moving parts so I, I came back to Australia and I was asked to work in marketing, which was actually where my degree came from. Mm. So my degrees in marketing. So I was product, product marketing manager for a number of years in this telecommunication company. And during the time, it, it, it was a period of growth with content building a digital experience for people using mobile technology effectively introducing things like iPhones and mobile broadband Mm. so everything's happening really really quickly so my team grew really quickly and I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing I felt like a bit of a fraud I was delivering on my outcomes that I'd committed to we were making money but I found that I was being really forgetful I was being I, I felt frustrated with everybody I was quick, really quick to react. I didn't feel like I had anybody supporting me. And there was one day where I went out to meet with, it was content provider. And when I came back from that meeting, my director and my, um, my IT architect were having a meeting without me. And I felt 
really uh, disrespected, I suppose, in mm. some ways, because I had been controlling this entire environment for such a long time. And um, I turn up and there's this meeting happening that I'd said I wasn't going to be able to attend. So please wait for me. And it just threw up a whole lot of emotional stuff for me. And I guess the uh, organisation I was working for was a brand where you could be quite yourself. It wasn't some a, a brand that conforms mm. and is very conservative. But, you know, I felt like I had this really explosive moment of frustration and I walked into the meeting, so looked at them and said, right, well, clearly you are doing okay without me, walked out and slammed the door. Oh my gosh, how unprofessional. Anyway, my director came out shortly after. Um, sorry, I'm probably going into this a wee bit too much to be fair, but I guess that that moment, I don't regret it. It wasn't the right thing to do. Mm. However, it was... This time that made me realise that if I didn't do something different, then this was going to consume me and it wasn't going to end up, I wasn't going to end up in a great space. So I felt really stretched. And I don't think that the people that were working for me and the team were particularly enjoying my style of management or Mm. leadership, you know. So my director and I had a conversation. She said, look, I don't feel like I can really take you on the journey you need to go on next. How do you feel about getting some executive coaching? And at the time I felt this is a punishment. This is a, you know, performance management. They don't, she doesn't believe I can do my job that I can grow. So I'm getting this person to come and, Hmm. you know, manage me effectively. So I did say yes. And I met this lady who had been an executive coach for a number of people in our business and I think by the second or third meeting I had just divulged everything Mm. and it wasn't that I went in with the intent of you know sharing my life story or being this super honest person I wanted to go in and say right what what do I need to do in order to to improve clearly things are not great let's let's talk about what what are you going to tell me that I need to do differently and the interesting thing about coaching is that the coach is there to ask questions and help you identify goals and remove the stuff that is really interfering with you being able to achieve them and so the answers weren't provided to me I was in tears by that third session with absolute frustration, but also the realization that this was all about me and I needed to make some different choices. Like I really needed to be honest with myself, never mind with other people, to say, this is the stuff that's really getting in my way. Mm. And it was a real revelation. I remember it so clearly, just sitting in this meeting room in the office. Uh, thank goodness it was secure and just bubbling away saying I just don't know how I'm going to do this but I know I need to do something you know Mm. and it is me and it is me and it is when you get to those moments where you realize that transformation the way forward and the reason I use the word transformation as well is because you need to leave stuff behind the rebirth almost well (laughs) Maybe it is a bit. You know, I felt that I had to really reflect long and hard on my behaviour, what I'd been doing, the choices I was making, especially at work. And, you know, when you remember something, especially when you were younger and you just cringe, Mm. you go, oh, God, 
and you you say, I wish I hadn't done that. But the reality was, if I hadn't done all that stuff, I wouldn't have known better. Mm, 100%. And some of that stuff that I repeated and repeated and repeated, which I think was what caused my frustration more than anything else. I was doing the same thing and expecting a different flipping outcome, you know. And frustration was just, oh, when am I going to get this? When am I going to get this? But I hadn't given myself the time to reflect and indulge in this coaching experience to say, well, what is it that I've been doing? And then if that was the result I was getting, what am I going to do differently? Mm. So on that, self-awareness is a critical aspect of what you're talking about there. Mm. How does someone step back and understand where they're at and understand that the choices they make are now critical or everything that they do is a choice I guess Uh, there's a lot of people who are going through life right now especially now in COVID-19 and and the world that we're living in who are are almost just surviving getting along and almost where you were at was just pushing pushing the envelope doing as much as you could but that's got a time limit on it it's going to be People are just trying the best, aren't they? They are. So how does one actually step back and go, oh, hang on, I I do need to change me for the world to change around me? Is there some signs that they can pick up? Gosh, is there just one rule? I don't know. I think first you've got to stop. Mm. You've got to force yourself to stop and take a breath. Just that one thing. Stop, take a breath and let yourself be self-aware. So some people do that better than others. Mm. Some people really have to build it in as a skill. Like a a person needs to organize that time. It's 9.30 a.m. on a Monday morning and I've got to stop and check in with how I'm feeling. Or I need to stop and go and have a conversation with somebody and get them to ask me about what I'm doing and how I'm going or get feedback. So seeking external help. Is critical? Is that the next step? Is it reading a book? Yep. From that point on, is it listening to podcast? What What is it? All the above? What it's is, different. It's easy. different for everybody, don't you think? Yeah, it, it has it's, to be. I I think that you know you like you're a reader. I'm a reader, but you are a consumer of you know the written word, mm. right? I'm a watcher. I'm an yeah. observer. I'm a talker as well. Clearly, um, <laughs> so for me. I think having gone on a number of courses, like going out and doing my own executive coaching training with the Institute of Executive Coaching Leadership here in Australia, that like when I've done that, and then as I've experienced more coaching interactions and I'm observing people, I'm learning at the same time thinking, oh, look at how wound up they are or what do they need to do? What question do I need to ask them to help them identify what's going to work out best for them to self-reflect? Yeah. And I'm learning all these things about myself at the same time. So it's a real win-win. For me, it's when I start to get frustrated and reactive, I stop and I take a breath. And I was on a call with Michelle Holland yesterday, our colleague, and she was just saying, just take a breath. And we just sat there for a moment and took a breath and it's like a reset moment and it gives you this opportunity to think about what's important. What are the real priorities? What is it that I'm, how am I showing up right now? And what do I need to do differently? Mm. What does my body feel like? What am I, what, where I mean, am I at? <laughs> it's such an important point that you never really, I mean, self-mastery is a, is a long way off, isn't it? For all of us, you never 
it's a constant battle. It's continuous growth, right? Mm. Continuous, continuous growth. growth. So and, and it's very important to note what you said there too, in the sense that everyone's got their own style mm. of learning. Mm. When I first started reading books, I picked up a book and I really, I almost judged myself on how many books I could read in a year. I started mm. off with once one every probably two months. And then I read, I think I read in the end of that first year, I ended up reading 10 books in that year. And oh, hang on, I could beat that next year. And I started having a little mini competition with myself. And the <laughs> next year I read 24. I think the next year I read 50. But now I've grown and evolved to a point where I don't even read a full book cover to cover anymore. I pick up a book and pick out the piece of information I need for that, right. mo- for that moment. So you say, I, I read a lot, yes, but I don't read cover to cover anymore. Right. And I think... What that tells me is the the evolution of the way I I seek knowledge has changed, mm. and, it, and it's constantly adapting. Uh, I think that's what we all need to do is mm. become a little bit more self aware and constantly adapt to where we actually want to be and, and want to grow and set those goals. How so- amazing is that, right? So you you've learned on your on your path of of consuming this information. You just like you said, you're becoming more self aware of what you need, so you adjust it or adapt it as well, you yeah, said. Well, yeah, and you, you you talk about the point of looking back and going, "Oh my god, I can't believe I did that." You yeah, know, I'm not I'm not saying, "Oh my god, I can't believe I read ten books in a year." What yeah. what, what, what cra- how crazy is that? I think that's where you need to start. I think you need to start reading a book from cover to cover. The more and more you learn from these books, because everything in the world today has been discovered by someone else. So you pick up a book or you listen to a podcast or or you watch a YouTube video, whatever it is, someone else has discovered this piece of information. Mm. I, I'm a kind of a cheat. I think reading's almost like I'm just getting knowledge from someone else. How good is this? I'm not going to go and figure it out myself when right. someone else already has. So yeah. that's my attitude. The, the next point from that is it, it really is self-development from there and understanding and you can gain clarity from what... So I read a book from cover to cover. I learn pearls of wisdom and pieces of information. From there, I understand actually I need more precise information. I need more precise information because the more and more books you read, the more and more... You, example you understand that there's a book of just examples i need just the point i need now Mm. i just need what they're actually trying to tell people within this book as opposed to every single example get to the point yeah comes with it (laughs) get to the point i was i wanted to share a couple of things with you because i'm really mindful of, of our conversation and how you and i can can go around some things so for people listening to this podcast i want to reinforce that you don't have to get to a point of frustration mm. and stumbling in your work and your performance or your personal life to, to need to reach out for help, such as coaching, right? Or stopping midway and saying, oh my gosh, I've got to transform something. Because not all of us have those moments, mm. you know? I think that it's really important to be to, to just introduce some self-awareness as small as that can be for you is it the last thing at night before you switch your phone off or turn on your alarm for the morning or switch your light off whatever it is and you just check in with yourself and you say hey how am I doing mm. right and just giving yourself that moment of reflection or doing that first thing in the morning but but make time for that and what that gives you the opportunity to do is 
to identify where you need to grow, right? So you can have a path of continuous growth, you know. So for you, you've just told us your story around reading and how that's adapted. So that's growth for you. And you've been mindful of that as you've followed that path or you whatever that whatever motivated that for you but sometimes some of us do get to that critical point like I did in 2004 where I just needed to get off the goddamn treadmill Mm. and have a word with myself like my younger sister would say take yourself into the corner and give yourself a good shake Fiona (laughs) um you know give yourself a time out not all of us need to get to that. And I, and I think that engaging a coach or engaging uh, specialists who talk about leadership development, transformation and, and personal improvement, professional or personal improvement, is really important to incorporate into your life so that you can have that continuous growth. So you don't have to have those fall down moments, although I think you probably do still need to have those fall down moments to work out what works and what doesn't. Life is a roller coaster. You're going to get those moments regardless. Yeah, get out, Mm. you know, and, and you learn how to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and do something different as well. But sometimes you pick yourself up and dust yourself off and do the same thing again. And that's what I was doing, right? I mean, idiot. It's just, why? Why do you do that? Because it's what you know. So introducing somebody else to help you sort of work through, well, why am I doing that? Gives you the opportunity to then map out what it is that you want to do to change that. And that could be really small or it could be really big or somewhere in between. So... I just want to reinforce you, you don't have to have those crises to need to engage somebody to, to help you grow. Yeah. You, can, you can just self-reflect and go, whoa, okay, where am I going with this? I think this might be an opportunity for me to have a chat to Faye to or to someone. Dan or to somebody yeah. to help work, work this stuff I out. Would, I would say categorically having someone speak to or having a coach in the background is what's you know, I could read as many books as as mm. I can, but then it's still Daniel, isn't it? Really, it's still Daniel doing, and I am learning and I am growing. But categorically, it's having someone to bounce those ideas off has changed my life. And mm. I've got a few mentors that I turn to quite a bit. I've had coaches in the past. What would you say is the difference between a mentor? I mean, seeking help externally, regardless whether it's a mentor or a coach, is fantastic. So mm. go ahead and do that. But what is the fundamental difference between a coach and a, and a mentor do you think yeah yeah oh sometimes you can get a bit of both yeah you know so yeah. uh, Susie Skinner who was the lady who coached me in 2004 she has become a bit more of a mentor to me than a coach um over the last 10 plus years but a, a mentor essentially is somebody that you're learning from through their experience so you're connecting with them you're asking for their advice you're saying what would you do if you were in this situation what's your experience around this what can you tell me about xyz or they're simply offering advice to you uh, and sharing their experience so that's really mentorship so you're learning from somebody else's experience and they're holding your hand supporting you through your own journey So the difference between that and coaching as a profession is the coach is not there to answer your problems. The coach is there to use their highly tuned skills of asking questions, engaging you in a conversation 
and holding you accountable to what you're saying for you to identify your own pathway. And the reason that I believe that is so important is because this is about you and it's you that owns it. Mm. I think that if somebody says, you know what you should do, you should read that book or you know what you should do, you should go out and, you know, do that training course or use this in your language. And I think that is really useful. So please don't get me wrong. No, I think I think accountability is fundamental to the code. Their mentors, let's use fitness as an example, losing yeah. weight, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, what a time we have! We are we are twenty four seven next yeah. to our fridge and our pantry Correct. when we're working from home, uh, and we're so not out doing the things we're doing. And they, the camera puts on so much, so many pounds. Oh, that's right. I'm not that's really right. Speak. The the um, if you ask someone for some fitness advice and they give you advice, and what did you do here, and how many weights did you lift, and whatever it might be, how many runs did you go on before you lost ten kilo, whatever that might be. Mm. They can tell you and you can use that information and go, okay, cool. And then you continue on with your normal life. If you get a, if you get a personal trainer, they are then going to make sure you're there at 3 p.m. or whenever you have your session. They are then going to make sure that you're lifting that extra rep. They're going to make sure that you're spending mm. that extra five minutes on, on the treadmill. So I use that for the coaching analogy in, in, in accountability. Mm. The coach is there to make sure that you follow through with what you promised yourself. Is that... Is that? Oh, I, I, I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Accountability belongs with the individual, not with the coach. The coach mm. is there to articulate it in a way that engages you to take accountability okay, and yep. follow through. Now, uh, an example of that would be, you know, really listening to what somebody is saying. So if a client is, you know, saying that they wanted to lose weight, just to use that as an example, oh, yeah, I kind of want to lose weight. I want to, you know, get down to dress size or shirt size or I've got this function to go to. You know, that sounds great. Sounds like you've got lots of reasons to do it. But how, you know, why do you really want to do it? Let's get to the real heart of why this weight loss is important mm. and, and why what's motivating you to have this conversation. What's a little bit deeper than that? Mm. What are you not telling me? You're avoiding telling me something. What is that? And it starts to create a tension in the conversation that does not exist in normal conversation. Mm. It starts to get a little deeper into your soul, I suppose. It's not counselling, just to be clear, but it's really trying to unpick what is this conversation about? And do you even care really mm. about losing weight? Why would you? Mm. Tell me what would happen if you don't. What's going to happen? I'll just be a dress size bigger. I'll still go to the function. I'll still be able to X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, that's interesting. Like, tell me a bit more about why this is, is this really a goal? What's the real goal behind this? Oh, actually, it's my health. It's my future health. Yeah. Let me talk, talk to me about that. Mum died of a, ah, right, let's talk more about that. Where's that going to go for you? Why is that important? Oh, my daughter's six. It's, so you start to, so this person starts to really dig a little deeper into the picture of what's motivating them to do something about their weight loss. It's not about the function. It's not about the dress size. It's not about that. It's, it's just surface stuff, isn't it? Yeah, right. And, and, that's, and that's fine. Now, that 
that creates tension in a conversation. Mm. When you start to ask questions and hold somebody accountable in the conversation about what they're saying or what they are not saying, it will create discomfort. Mm. You're going to see somebody shift in their seat and possibly say, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Mm. And letting them sit in that moment, again, creates tension for them to take the lead on where this conversation needs to go. It's almost a light bulb moment, isn't it? Yes. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes it's just letting them sit in that discomfort for a moment as you're moving around in your seat and going, oh, no, what's happening? <laughs> talking about me here. Yeah. <laughs> but to really, to really get underneath the motivation, because then when you understand why something is so important to you, you understand how you're going to hold yourself accountable to that. Yeah. So the coach at the end of it's the day. It's really? Yeah. So at the end of the day, that person, be it Dan, Faye or whoever else, is saying, my goal isn't about losing a dress size in six weeks to go to a function it becomes i need to stop drinking i you know that that's you know my my parent was an alcoholic or Mm. you know and those kinds of real revel and sometimes you've got to say those words out loud for you to be able to then do something about it you've shared that now i know that in this conversation we're talking about things that might not necessarily sit in a leadership world. But I guess it just gives you an example. We're all human. We are all human. And let's say that, you know, the things that happen in our lives do not exist separately. They coexist with our lives. And, oh, my gosh, how much do they coexist in our lives now, given that we're working and living at home? But just to close that accountability piece off, Dan, the coach is really then the person that enables the conversation for that person to say, I went four days without having a drink and I feel better about that. I'm still not ready to talk to my partner about it, but um, it's making me think about how I'm going to plan this out. Okay, talk to me about that. What goal do you want to set around that? So that's the, so the accountability doesn't exist because the, the coach is saying, what have you done? When are you doing? Da, 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 da. That's yeah. part of it. But it's really about helping that person along their journey to hold them self account that self accountability. I love it. Yeah. So right now you're working with some global companies, and you alluded to this to right now, as in I'm, I'm assuming, mm. assuming you mean COVID nineteen. You're working with some global, in particular, a global company uh, and its leadership team. Are doing you're doing some work with their leadership team understanding all the confidential confidentialities and everything yeah. that sort of surrounds it. And I don't want to get into detail, but what, what would be some of the key frustrations that you're seeing leaders have in today's environment? Well, I think that the first thing is that everybody has reacted or responded very quickly to moving from a typical day in an office or traveling to go off site uh, for certain industries So people have adapted particularly quickly and well to using technology. They've had support from their organisations beautifully around how they need to get their technology set up, how their ergonomics need to be situated for safety. Make sure you get up from your seat every, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, you know, take frequent breaks, get fresh air, all these and all the things that, you know, is great advice. Also, communication 
over communicate, make sure you're checking in every day. If you're leading a team, these are the things that you need to be doing. Here's a system, blah, 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 blah. So I think that that has all been done beautifully by, especially by larger global organizations who have the uh, people in place to help hold hands uh, of uh, large workforces. But as we've started to get into the fourth, the fifth, the sixth week of working from home, and especially when a lot of people have had children at home from school, whether that's been elective or over Easter or whatever the situation has been, we start to see this blend of work life and personal life starting to seep into each other mm. and it gets starts to get grey. So I wouldn't underestimate the challenges that we face by not having that it's eight o'clock, my bus is in 10 minutes, so I'm ready, I'm getting out the door, I say goodbye and I'll see you at six o'clock tonight. And then when I go to this office space, this environment, I'm walking up and down stairs and getting some incidental exercise. I can get a coffee at 11 o'clock from my local coffee shop. I can speak to people in the kitchen at lunchtime. So how I'm conducting myself on a regular day in the office becomes really blended with oh, I'm just going to get out of my little office space and I'm going to go to the kitchen and stick some coffee on and I'm going to have a chat to the kids and then they want me to play with them. Or my partner is also working, but they're working at the dining room table because we've only got space for one office space. They need to do a teleconference at 11 o'clock, but I've got something I want to work on as well. I don't want to move my office space. Mm. Hmm, how are we going to work that out? So conversations. Who, who's, who's more important? Yeah, right. <laughs> Some of the right. <laughs> this comparative importance stuff mm. starts to rear its head. So you you asked me about what are some of the things that are coming up for the leaders for this particular group that I'm working with at the moment. And one of the things is how do we make working from home work for everybody? Mm. Because this ain't working, and there's nobody in. HR or OD or uh, work health and safety that's going to fix this one for me because mm. it's about my husband or it's about my wife or it's about my kids. So it all comes into the personal relationships mm. through shared space because the environment that I'm in trying to do my work is so different. And if Again, this conversation I had with Michelle yesterday, if we were just picking up and saying, yeah, everybody's going to, you know, work from home remotely through choice, then everybody sets themselves up and that's what they do. But, you know, your partner's still going out to work or, you know, dropping the kids off or, or, or doing whatever they do with their lives. The reality is that we are in this co-shared space and we are in this co-shared space for not just a couple of days, but for months. Mm. So we need to sort that out. We need to get real with ourselves and say our relationships will suffer and are suffering unless we stock take and say, what is it that we're doing that is working and what is not working? And what are we going to do about that? Mm. Because I've heard from people saying, I'm telling my partner that I'm the, I'm the one that makes more money. Therefore, I get that front room. Yeah. I get to spend more time during the day doing my work compared to you because... It's okay if you only work part-time or I've got more things to do. Uh, I need to use the, the data more than you do, you know? And that 
erodes value in relationships. I feel devalued mm. because you've said that. How do I tell you that? Not you know, this isn't something that we have on a fact sheet as part of COVID-19 program to say no. you may experience this with your par- yeah, your life partner, you know? I mean, because when you're in the workplace, you wouldn't necessarily go about making the other person feel like their contribution isn't valuable. So nope. when you start saying, I, I, I make more, mm-hmm. therefore I'm more important, you would never say that in an office environment. Right. And this is really interesting as well. So I know that a few of my girlfriends have been putting you know comments on Facebook saying oh my god I didn't realize I'm that guy that says can we circle back to that you know yeah. so yeah there's a persona almost just to clarify I'm that yeah. <laughs> so this or, or I didn't realize he was that efficient yeah. I wish he could be that efficient at home sorry mm. I'm saying he because I'm talking about my you know the a group of girlfriends I've been speaking to so so we're learning all these things about our other halves or yeah. the or, or in our families our, our children possibly that are, are still at home and working and we're trying to reconcile that why can't why is he laughing on the phone with people that he's working on a project with but he's not laughing with me so there's lots of things that are bubbling up mm. as this work-life blend starts to to happen and for those who can't see me I'm wiggling my fingers and pulling <laughs> them together because it, it really is starting to get a little bit blurry for some people well the interesting thing is when you are working from home, so you talk about why is he laughing with his colleagues and not with me mm. or, or she laughing with her colleagues and not with me. Is it about when you're with your colleagues, you have a work relationship? Yeah, you might have a real trusting relationship, and, and mm. but you, you do your work, you deliver your product, you deliver what you need to do as a service or whatever it might be, and then you say goodnight and you go home. Mm. When you're with your partner or your wife, your husband, you have the emotional attachment to to that as well in the sense of we got bills to pay. We've got financial struggles, example. We've got children that are running around that need to be educated. We need to put food on the table. What's for dinner? What's, you know, so there comes a whole host of other reasons yeah. for the lack of laughter, mm-hmm. I guess. And so it does. I mean, they're saying that COVID's going to be the divorce. Divorce rates are going to go up through COVID-19. So what I guess where I'm going with this is what is, what do you believe is a way to get this balance right? Like how do mm. we, how do we understand this? Number one, that what we're going through, sit back and now try to aim to get the balance right, whether it's with family, co-workers, kids, self-care, whatever it might be. How do we get this balance right? Right. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all for this, but I think there are some things that we need to be mindful of doing. We probably have a few more boundaries and and role clarity when we're in our workplace, which is what I'm hearing from you. You you go into work, you achieve a particular thing, Mm -hmm. and you go home. Mm In theory, you go yeah, home, yeah, you leave correct. your office chair. Yeah, that's right. um, so it's it's clear, and and 
this makes us comfortable. We're adding value. We can see that we're making a difference. Mm. It's it's tangible for us often when we're during our workday, we're influencing others in a really positive way. And that's that's leadership at the end of it. Then we open up that study door. And as you've indicated, this blur or blend of responsibilities and things to do are in place. But when have we stopped to put some boundaries around that? Mm -hmm. And if I'm dedicating so much energy in the direction of my workplace at the moment, have I got any energy left to deal with my relationships? (laughs) Because if my cup is only half full because of the distractions and the challenges that I'm experiencing both in and outside of work at the moment, which is very blended, and I'm directing all the energy I have that's in that cup towards my work colleagues because it's clear what I need to do there. When I shut down that laptop or I walk away from that seat or whatever the situation is, I have nothing left to give and I have nothing left to give myself and I've got nothing left to give my family. Mm-hmm. And if my cup is empty for me, I can't work on that. I'm in, I'm in negative space. So I think, so to, to answer your question, one of the first things you have to do is say, how do I fill my cup? Mm. Or if, if you've got kids at school, young kids at school, how do you fill your bucket with mm. kindness? Mm. How do you do that? So is it, I get, I'm giving myself 15 minutes to take the dog for a walk, or I am going to give myself some time to read, but I'm going to be really clear with my family about the thing that I need to manage their expectations so that they know that's what I'm doing so I can be there for them. So the, so the first thing I would say is self-care. You've got to find out what are the kinds of things that you can introduce that works for your own self-care. Now that could be spirituality, it could be doing yoga, it could be mindfulness. So that could be one sort of segment of people. For others, it may be exercise, getting out in the environment. And for others, it could be connecting socially with others, getting on FaceTime or Skype or whatever it is to just download. For some, it may be reaching out to a coach mm. or reaching out to a counsellor or somebody somebody else in professional capacity to say, I've just got to download. Let get, me download. Unravel my mind. That's yeah. right. So if I do that, it gives me the ability to fill up some of that energy that I can then dedicate not only to myself, but to my relationships. So that's one thing. The other thing is that I mentioned boundaries and, and Brene Brown talks a lot about boundary setting everybody out there do yourself a favor go and go and watch whatever you can you know and it doesn't have to be difficult and I'm not going to quote Brene Brown here boundaries for me are about setting clear setting a clear understanding about what's okay and what isn't so you have to have that conversation with the people that you're sharing your environment with It's not okay for you to come to bed at midnight when I go to bed at 10.30 at night because I've got to get up in the morning and you're disturbing my sleep. That's what it feels like. But Mm. it is okay for you to come to bed if you can be really quiet and maybe just not use our ensuite. (laughs) And that might sound really trivial to some, but it could be the most important thing Mm. to you and how you're showing up for that person the next day, you know? So... 
it's yeah. okay for you to, you know, I really understand that you're you're going to work from 10 o'clock until 2 so that you can do school drop-off and school pick-up. But it's not okay for you to then continue to work through the night to make up your hours. It's okay for us to talk about how you want to set up your hours and how we can be flexible about that. It's okay for us to work out how do we communicate that effectively? Mm. How do we articulate that? Now, this sounds very organized, doesn't it? Well, it's, it, I think um, to quote Brene Brown, I'll quote her, and the clear is kind, mm-hmm. isn't it really? Yeah. If you can get your communication out in a way that works with your partner, that you can both come to a mutual win-win and you know, it's a seven habits sort of thing here, seven mm. Stephen Covey stuff create a win-win situation what works for you what works for me okay let's come to a compromise let's come up with some ideas on how we can move forward from this yeah Yeah, it is critical but emotions do get in in play and people are picking their 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 works their work partners or colleagues before family do you think it's because of the unconditional love sort of thing my wife will always be there for me my husband will always be there Mm. for me therefore they should just know that I need to put work forward. They should just know. I've been thinking about this since you and I spoke about it recently. We have more of a rhythm with our life partners or our families than we do necessarily with work. We're Mm. more mindful of how we show up at work. So I don't want to use the words we take advantage of our home situations, but we're more... We do. We do. Well, we're more comfortable. We're, we're more, maybe it's complacency, you know, and this isn't going to be a blanket for everybody again. Some of us, some people are more mindful in their, in their families than others. But it's easy to assume that they'll always just be there for me anyway, so mm. I can get away with X, Y and Z because I'm having, I had a really tough meeting and now I've come off that tough meeting I'm going straight to the pantry I'm going to eat two chocolate (laughs) biscuits I'm going to smash down a coffee even though it's seven o'clock at night and I'm just going to give out to you know I'm just going to say whoa you're never going to believe what just happened to me and da 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 while your life partner's standing there and saying hey you promised you were going to read stories tonight Mm. you know and and this conflict starts to appear this trade-off yeah but you don't understand I've just had this call right you don't understand what I'm going through. Mm. This comparative importance, this comparative, my experience is worse than yours kind of idea. And we're just trying to keep this ship afloat. So look, I, I think it's going to be different for different people and different relationships. And bearing in mind that you've got parents living with older children as well, that are going to have to have these conversations too. Yeah. While you're under my roof, <laughs> right? I can imagine those conversations going on just now, mm. you know, I need to access the internet. I need to, you yeah. can't just. No Netflix, no PlayStation. Why? Yeah. Okay. Or, or they could be working. Yeah. You, you just, well, true, yeah. What do you mean you want me to drop you off again? <laughs> so there are a lot of factors that we're not used to dealing with when we're in this closed or more closed environment. It's giving us a lot more to think about in how we manage our relationships. Not only individually, but leaders, I guess, need to think about what their people are doing as well oh, in, in yeah. the same situation. It's not just about what, yeah, we need to understand. And that's, I guess, now it's when we talk about flexible working hours, now more than ever, you know, you yeah. talk about 10 to 2 and then working late at night. Is that acceptable? Yeah. Is that allowed? Do we want our people working till 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night? Mm-hmm. Is that 
uh, is that okay? Uh, where do you draw the line? So, because you know it is essentially digging into their family life. Is that what we want for our right. people? So, right. Yeah, and this a, this is so it's an important conversation. It is to have with your people, and you know, Kim Scott talks about care personally, challenge directly mm. when she talks about radical candor. So which is a book that I would definitely recommend everybody read as well. So is that um, Kim Scott, Radical Candor? Kim Scott, yeah. Radical Candor. So, and the reason I'm thinking about that is because I'm thinking about this leadership group that I'm working with at the moment. You need to care personally about you, the people that you're leading and you need to understand what's happening with them in order for them to deliver on what you expect. Mm. So Again, it comes down to clear communication. Clear communication, right. It's also Radical about <laughs> it's all, yeah, well. It's also about being really curious yeah. and asking the right questions. Yeah, what is going to work for you, Dan? And knowing that you've got two kids at home, you've got a wife that's working four days, and her job and it, and she, you know yeah. means that she has to be out of home. So, how is that going to work for you to get your work done in a way that we can best support you? Mm. And how do I make myself available to you that's mutually agreeable? a time and a place or however the link is to make sure that we get the outcomes that we're looking for. So do I have the flexibility in my team? So I'm thinking about this really big leadership group who have a mammoth program of work to deliver on this year. We're talking about multi, multi millions. It's in the billions. It's crazy. Mm. And although money's not, not the only factor, it's really about utilizing a lot of complexity. It's the complexity. It's the, the different people with different levels of expertise, how they come together, what they need to collaborate on, what they need to just be doing on their own, how they look after themselves, how they achieve the outcomes as individuals. And then as groups, how that continues to grow and grow and grow. So do I need everybody at the same time every day? Possibly not. Do I need to be talking to everybody as a group every day? Possibly not. Can I have, and I'm just going to use random names here, not people on, on, the, um, on the group I'm working with, but you know, can I have Jill and Sasha doing that two parts of the day because that's going to work for them because they work full time, but they do have children and they want to spend time in the morning and the early evening with them while I've got Ted, Dave and Graham all working from six o'clock until three because they're larks, you know, they, mm. they, they perform better when they're in the morning. Mm. And then I've got Tom and Jerry working <laughs> at the back end of the day and, and Tom works until 10 o'clock at night because that best suits them. But I have an open door policy that I've been clear about to say, these are the times when you can access me. And if you see that I have a green light on in my technology or whatever technology platform I use, you know that you can give me a call and you can reach out to me and I will make times with you. So yes, it is clear as kind. It is communication. It is also about ensuring that because you've elected to work during those times in those ways, that it is not impeding your performance. Mm. And if it is, then having a very honest, robust conversation about what needs to happen differently, what will enable that. And maybe it means that Tom needs to stop working at 10 o'clock at night because that is not working for him or for the collective group. So the the conversation needs to happen. I think we're going to learn a lot as we go through this time as well. There is no 
guidebook that gives us the instructions, a bit like when you have your first child, right? <laughs> uh, where you go, I know a lot, but I don't know what's going to happen here. Mm. And so we're really working it out as we go along. And if we're mindful of working out how it's going as we go along with work and life, then we can reflect on it and we can spend that time to talk to people and say, what's working, what isn't working and how do we have that continuous growth? So it's, and isn't it an amazing time that we have this opportunity to experience this? Mm. And as much as I am... Well, you, you often hear, you're going to hear people are going to be talking, this is what we'll be telling our grandchildren about. Uh, really, so. <laughs> we will. And I'm so sympathetic to people who have lost work and who have been so strongly impacted by you know the nature of this virus, especially those who have lost their lives. And I just believe that it is also giving us a global opportunity to relook at ourselves and to consider the way that we're behaving and the choices that we're making, including how we're leading, leading ourselves and we're leading our teams. Spot on. Perfect. Well, on that note, we'll uh, we'll start to uh, we'll wrap up. We do have what we call rapid fire questions. Go for it. These are rapid fire. However, rapid em- response. These end up going for another half an hour themselves, but we'll try to keep them <laughs> keep them quite short. <laughs> um, I always get called off by Gabriella. She's giving me the eye over there. So, um, rapid fire questions. Favorite book and why? I don't have a favorite book. I am currently reading. Some Kind of Girl by Claire Bowditch, who is an Australian singer and writer and extraordinary woman. And I have identified so strongly with her as a young girl. It is just, it is just, just beautiful. And yeah, I'm loving it. So, so I'm loving that, the story. The again? Some Kind of Girl. Some Kind of Girl by? Claire Bowditch. Claire Bowditch. All right. If you had one song that could represent your life, what would it be? I've got to break free. <laughs> That was the one that came into my head. (laughs) Queen, Freddie Mercury. Oh, Brilliant. Favourite place in the world? I don't know whether there is a location that's a favourite place. I love being in bed with my daughter and partner, just reading Enid Blyton stories. So (laughs) I don't know what that says about me. That's my favourite place at the moment. Excellent. Sounds nice and warm. And my favourite part of this whole podcast, what's your best dad joke? Best dad joke. Why was the maths book sad? Why? Because it had so many problems. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. Oh, it's a terrible joke. It's that horrible that it's good. It's got so many problems. Yeesh. I do like a bit of math. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much, Fee, for your time. Thanks for having me. It was a bit of a different start to our podcast today. We uh, we just began talking and ran with it. So uh, I don't know. Well, I hope so. I good. hope whoever's listening gets something out of it. And you know, we're here to help. So Brilliant. you know, when you need it, reach out, have a chat. Phone is always on. Fee's profile is up on our Synergy IQ website. If you want to get in touch with her, feel free to do so at info at synergyiq.com.au. Thank you very much. We Thank will you. Get in contact with you soon. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.